I crave being taken care of, but I also take care of everyone else and make it impossible to take care of me. So that's like, fun. I, th- I think that's a fun challenge for a boyfriend. It's impossible super fun for him. He's having a great time. So <laughs> He's having the time of his life. Welcome back. We're not for everyone. We're a podcast hosted by a hater and a lover. I'm Jess. I'm the lover. I'm Caroline. I'm the hater. Oh, she said it in such a like angelic tone. What the hell? What the hell? Full of surprises. Yeah. I'm feeling angelic. Yeah, I'm feeling angelic. I would You're say. looking angelic. You have such a glow about you at the beach <sighs> this week. Thank you. For everyone who can't see me, I'm extraordinarily tan right now. And I feel so much hotter. I feel so much hotter than I do for the other, like, nine months of the year. I know. It's really hard because I think I get used to this level of hotness. And I'm like, oh, this is the real me. And then September comes around. And then it's just, like, nine months of being depressed over losing my hot identity. Yeah. Yeah. uh, Couldn't relate more. Like, that that is exactly how I feel. And I feel like this summer I haven't been getting as tan as I usually do because I know I made fun of somebody in my solo episode for like complaining about how bad the summer weather has been. But shortly thereafter, I realized that I am quite affected by the fact that it's hot. It's like there's like wildfire smoke everywhere. Like you just can't be outside very easily because I look down at my legs and I'm like, what is this? This isn't the real me. It's not the real me. This pasty ass Midwestern Chicago girl that's not me. The way that I look 75% of the <laughs> year is not the real me. Yeah, I, I tend, I'm inclined to identify with just my hot phase. It's tough. I identify with self-tanned me more than I identify with natural. Do you self-tan? Do you self-tan like, a, like an at-home tanner? I'll do an at-home tanner. Sometimes I'll is do... Is it like a spray? Is it a mist? It's a mousse. Body mist? It's a mousse. And it's I a have mousse? A, I have Fuck. a mitt and I rub it all over. Sometimes I do a lazy one and I just do my like shoulders and legs. Like just the parts yeah. of my body that would be showing in clothing and stuff. Not the face. Not the face. I don't usually do my face because I'm such a oh fan of bronzer that like the bronzer oh. helmet that I apply to myself every single day, it makes my face look <gasps> tanner than my body most of the time. So when I'm self-tanned, it fix it fixes it okay. blends the whole thing. Is a bronzer helmet like a is that a product or are you making a joke? <laughs> no, there's this um, YouTuber named Desi Perkins who is like a huge makeup YouTuber and influencer, and I used to watch her videos religiously, and she used to call it a bronzer helmet because she would apply like because one of the areas that you apply bronzer is like around your temples and the top of your forehead if you want to oh, reduce yeah. the size of your forehead at all, and just because that's where like the sun would naturally hit, and she yeah. would be so heavy handed with it, and she called it a bronzer helmet, and I have adopted that. I think that's <laughs> that's cute. It's a technique. Yeah. So. Usually my face is really tan from that, and then I just need my body to match. And okay, that's what I'll do. I mean, ideally, I would love a natural tan because then I don't have to rub this shit on my legs every week. But once a if week, I'm not going to get it, it'll usually fade in like, yeah, seven to ten days. That's what I'm disinclined. Like, I would be hotter. I'm, I'm, I'm collecting data about self-tanner. I've been talking to my little sister about it, too. But um, I'm really disinclined to take on beauty habits that are like a weekly or even a bi-weekly thing because it's just another one we talked about this before like i have to do this forever until i die it's like i i just want to wake up hot obviously that's what everybody wants it's part of why i don't like the waxing and the shaving and um i don't get my nails done like i can't keep it i think the feeling that you have to keep it up And it's like getting your eyebrows done, getting your eyelashes done. I've experimented with all of them, but then you get used to that standard, or at least for myself, then you get used to that standard. If I only feel hot when I have like eyelashes done or nails done, then there's like this constant, I have this constant sense of anxiety of like, okay, well, I have to get the eyelashes done next week. I have to get the tanner done in two weeks and I have to get this done in three weeks. And then it's like, they almost rarely coincide except mm-hmm. for some like rare magical, like like unicorn moment where you've got your eyelashes, you got the nails, you got the hair. So I'm just not doing any of it. And even with the bronzer, I have this 
like pathological desire. Like, I just want to be beautiful. I just want to be beautiful with no effort. I don't, Mm. but it takes so much effort, but I'm, I don't know. Like I even used to, I feel like a liar. I used to even feel like a liar if I wore clothes that complimented my body, AKA like hyped up the good parts and minimized the quote Mm. bad parts. Like, you know, whatever you've complex about, um, I didn't like my thighs when I was younger, but I would never wear like a dress or skirt to cover my thighs because then I felt like a liar. I felt like I had to like lead with the worst parts of me. Hmm. Like I just, I don't know. There's like this weird pathology about, um, I don't know if I have to like dress up to look that way. Then I, then I feel like a, I'm secretly ugly and I'm a liar. Yeah. No, I understand what you're saying. Which is stupid, which is stupid to be clear. Well, because most people will do the things, the beautifying things, and play it off like it's natural. You're like, I'm not going to do the beautifying things because if it's not natural, then, like, it's a lie. And then I feel bad about myself because I have to lie. I shouldn't have to lie about how I look because then it confirms that I don't look naturally beautiful is that what you're getting at yeah yeah I think so I think so yeah I feel like I've put I don't know also this is like such maybe unhealthy thoughts to put into people's head I'm not saying that this is correct right I'm just I don't think it's incorrect I don't know if there's a correct way to be about this stuff yeah you know what's the correct what's the correct way to covet hotness it's all I want I don't really care about anything else right like I don't I don't think anyone does I don't think anyone does I think everything is rooted Oh, Did you... I just hit my head oh. so hard oh, no. against the bed. Oh, my God. I just threw my head back and left in my head so hard against the bed. You are going to need to maybe not sit there because we do a lot of throwing our heads oh. back in laughter. Oh. Okay, carry on about okay, being Okay, you're that was so the Lord. hot right now. That was the Lord. That was the Lord Jesus Christ being you like you vapid, superficial <laughs> bitch. Don't say all you care about is hotness. I think I think I think an angel just slapped me across the face. Okay, go on. I do think that like whether people admit it or not is one thing, but hotness and like sex and attraction and like attracting partners and whatever is at the root of everything that people do, including like everything, totally. not just how you look. Um, so I'm, and I'm tired of pre- I'm pre- tired of pretending like I I care about other stuff. I don't. Sure, but you want to. I'm still <laughs> stuck on this. Like you want to be naturally hot because I want to be hot, but I have no problem with paying. Yeah. To be hot. I mean, I'm generally a natural person. I don't get eyelash extensions. I'm not or- natural. I'm not natural. I've gotten Botox, and I work so hard at you know finding the like yeah working out and thinking about like the low effort it's more like the the long-term maintainable like sustainable ways that i my hair can be pretty without me having to do much i think i'm really just lying to myself about the amount of effort i put in does it it make sense yeah yeah. i see what you're saying i I mean for me i'm more like if i can pay for someone else to do this such as my nails like i always have my nails done because it it makes me feel hot to have like long fun nails and it makes me feel like i'm expressing myself and yeah and they look so good but if i can like pay and go put my hand somewhere and have someone else do that then i'm psyched about it as opposed to putting in the effort at home some people would like spend hours doing their own nails you'll never catch me doing that it's worth it for me to make the appointment every three weeks and pay the $90, which is too much money every three weeks. Like, I I get that it's an outlandish thing. And also, I'm so happy. It's what you like to spend your money on. Yeah, it's what I want to spend my money on. It's like, I'm so happy to do it. And then there's other things that I haven't done, may never do. I don't know. I think it's just different for everyone. I know. it's It's not fake. It's not any less fake or real than the actual actions I'm doing. It's just like, it's funny. It. I think it's fun to talk about people's beauty systems yeah um because they're like they're kind of private they're extremely dedicated often um and we all have like our own different workflow for the beauty process the system the philosophy and i actually watched a really interesting video on youtube it was called something about like why i quit 
beauty work or something. Mm-hmm. And it was just this girl talking about she'd been some kind of like GQ hottie of the week or something like that or something. I don't know. Whatever. She was hot. Never heard of it, but sounds legit. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like legit credentialed hot girl. Right. That's why I've never heard of it. <laughs> you know, and she talked about upkeeping whatever she was doing, you know, dropping a bunch of weight and dyeing her hair and getting the lashes and doing the tan and I I don't even know all everything she was doing, but eventually just dropping it and like referring to beauty work as all this un it's it's unpaid labor. Like actually mm. the so many guys are gonna roll their eyes at this, but women know it's true. All of the hours that go into and really are expected to go into getting your hair done, all the hours and all of the money, getting your hair done, um, maintaining the diet, doing the workout, doing the nails, doing the waxes, doing the lashes, whatever it all is, unless you're just naturally gorgeous, then fine. Like, okay, yeah, no, you don't need to do the stuff, but you do need to be gorgeous. And, um, and it's like, it's like a part-time job. Oh yeah. The amount the maintenance. of time that most of us put into it. And it is just, expected baseline and I do it too and I don't think I could give it up but um it was it was interesting and you know didn't really at all convince me to drop any of my uh, (laughs) habits (laughs) yeah like what did she feel when she dropped it because to me and I think it's an interesting conversation like we were kind of talking about it last week with the waxing and lasering conversation where you were like don't pretend that it's self-care because you're right, like, to an extent, it's internalized. We, we've told ourselves that it's self-care because at this point, it's internalized the expectation that we need to, like, upkeep these certain parts of our selves and our beauty regimens to the point where it's like, okay, we're going to be doing this no matter what, because, like, it's an accepted thing in society. So if we're going to be doing it, then let's frame it as taking care of our ourselves let's make it more luxurious let's make it like there's cute packaging and cute shops you can go to and cute um spa treatments that you can do and like let's make it seem like it's taking care of yourself because either way it's gonna have to happen um and i feel like there's something interesting there you know it's like we're fooling ourselves because we have to do it anyway of course it's the exact way that the washing machine the KitchenAid mixer and the vacuum were pitched to housewives in like a really Mm. cute, it makes your day better. You're going to feel great. You're going to feel powerful. It's going to like make everything so breezy. What a gift. And it was, I think there's some saying that like the washing machine did more for women's liberation than any legislation ever did, Um, which probably did like, you know, uh, freeing up hours in the day, but it is still, it's not a perfect analogy. And it's just, it is interesting to me. Um, I fully participate in it. And I mean, I don't even know if there's really a way out of it. Like, I I enjoy talking about it. I'm not rioting. Because at the end of the day, I'm like, it does feel like, unfortunately, to some degree, women's main currency, the main way you can have clout as a woman is what? It's your, it's beauty. Like, that's what we basically, I'm not saying it's right, but that is on some level what we all agree to. That's basically what we all agree to. And, um, and for men, it's not that exactly. Like for the average man, we basically all agree. Oh, this is also wrong. This is not a personal value of mine, but like men feel much more evaluated based on their wallet Mm -hmm. and women, women don't have to carry that burden in the same way. Um, I feel like I hope everyone understands. I'm not saying this like this is the way it should be and this is right. Yeah, but I, you're being clear. I, you know, even even the most liberated, progressive women, I I hear how they talk. They can't help but worship and ogle the most beautiful celebrities. Or like she's a powerful woman, but she's also beautiful. Like that makes it better. Mm. Um, like we just we're addicted to it. And I I don't know if any amount of education or like there's just something obviously evolutionary there that sometimes feels like you can't get out of it. Yeah. I think that's the moral of the story. We're still all pursuing hotness and Caroline succeeding today. I'm not really asking for a change. As long as I feel like I'm keeping up, I'm like, the system's good. Right. Works for me. I'll be a slave because I'm one of the more successful ones. <laughs> I think I rank medium. I think I rank as a medium slave. Mid. I definitely grew up like, um, Especially as kids, my 
older sister was like, we just, everyone was like, she's the beautiful one. Um, especially when we were younger and my mom tells stories about like, it was like strangers would come up and be like, Oh, your toddler is so beautiful. And then I'd be like, in the stroller with my forehead and my mom would be like we are proud of both of them and I was like that's really heroic of you mom thank you but like from so brave from, from so brave of you <laughs> but like from a very young age and it didn't really bother me or I don't know maybe I haven't dug deep enough into this complex but like as a kid I was very aware that like she was beautiful and that wasn't my thing and uh, I don't really remember it consciously bothering me, but I definitely was aware that, like, my personality was my thing. Mm. Um, so that was probably a reaction. But I think it's actually more of a burden probably to the beautiful kid to tell them all the time that they're beautiful and praise them for being beautiful because then you learn that's your value. Or right. it seems it seems that that's your value. I don't know. It's just something I think a lot. We, we, we drag kids into it pretty quickly. Yeah, that's actually such a good segue into one of the things that I had written down for today. And I'm sorry, they're like fucking mowing the lawn outside and I'm just going to keep talking. Um, But I was listening to my favorite podcast other than ours, which is the Nikki Glaser podcast. And they were talking about those identities that you cling to, especially when you're younger and like the moment that you decide that somebody decides like, oh, I'm going to be the funny one or I'm going to be the smart one or like whatever fill in the blank, I'm going to be that kid, whether it's in your family or in your school. And then like taking that a step further, whether or not you stuck with the thing that you said you were going to do, you know, like we've, I think a lot of people can relate to having that moment of clarity or maybe like period of time when you were younger where you were like, okay, it seems like I'm getting rewarded for being funny or being smart or being beautiful or whatever. And then maybe you latch on to that for a really long time. And then maybe it informs your whole fucking life. Like I do think that Mm -hmm. Mm there is an element of like me performing and wanting to make people laugh and all of that that's rooted in like, being rewarded for that and seeing that that was the thing that like could make my parents happy or could make my teachers and my people in my school happy or whatever and just now it's like what I try to do for a living and it's kind of like was I I don't know I don't know I don't know what to make of it it's not necessarily Mm -hmm. a bad thing but it is kind of interesting that that's where like so much of my personhood is rooted so I was wondering if you relate, if there's any like moments that stand out and like what what blank the the blank one did you most align with growing up? Is it still true? Mm, it is so interesting. I think I definitely as a kid knew that my role was to be like a monkey to be. <laughs> yeah, like goofy and silly and, and, and make everyone laugh. That was like it was it was to a degree like the glue in my family. Um, being able to like make everyone laugh meant that things could be okay Mm. for a little bit, but I actually didn't, it was definitely my identity, but for some reason I didn't translate that to professional ambitions until college. Like I knew I liked performing, but my intention was to be a serious actor from the time I was like 11 and I kind of overlooked the whole comedy thing. I didn't really think of it as a professional skill, even through college, I went to an acting school. It wasn't until I took one elective that was like an improv elective. And it was the first time I did improv. And I was like, you know, I was kind of good at it. And it was the first time that I, especially in theater school, that I felt like, oh my God, I I have like something unique to bring here as opposed to just doing the Chekhov plays. Um, which I also really loved and I think was also good at, but it didn't, I didn't really stand out there. I was like, okay, you can do a checkoff play. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it wasn't until I like took this one improv elective that I started thinking about comedy and then very quickly turned into like just pursuing comedy. But I, I hadn't really actually ever thought about it. I don't know why I was so dramatic. I'm just dramatic. So I was mm. always doing drawn to the dramatic stuff, but 
Yeah, as you were talking, it made me realize that I think I misrepresented myself in my first attempt at talking about this a minute ago, Mm, because I feel like, yes, I am. The thing that I've like tried to pursue in my adult life has been this like comedic performance side of myself. But actually the thing that that's the identity that I wanted, like my whole life growing up and to this day, that's the identity that I am like trying to make people see me as. And and it is not untrue of myself, but like it is a part of me, but it's not the whole of me. And it's not actually what I grew up being told Oh, okay. I was always the emotional one. Ah. Like in my family, I was the emotional one. I was like, I quick to cry, takes everything to heart, you know, is upset and hurt if you tease her. Like my dad would try to tease us to like toughen toughen us up. And I just like couldn't fucking handle it ever. And my sister actually and I were talking about this the other day because she was like, I feel like dad at some point decided to like, just direct all his teasing energy towards me because he saw that you really couldn't handle it. So he was like, okay, if one of my daughters is going to be like the emotional crybaby, then let me just make the other one really intense and strong. Wow, you guys. Not that I'm not. And you guys are. Not that I'm not strong. But you have different. You have those like the exterior is different. Yeah. Totally. She has a much more like cynical exterior, like a little bit of an intensity and edge to her that I mean I have some level of intensity to me but it's it's like a emotional intensity it's not an edgy intensity yeah it's like you're like the intense Teletubby you're like oh <laughs> yeah. she's like the most like ambitious the Teletubby, most Teletubby. It's, yeah it's still like it's relative to the Teletubbies though. <laughs> right <laughs> That's so accurate. Yeah. And so I feel like I um, I was always that and I still am that. And But the identity I'm trying to attach to is like the part of myself that I see as better than that and more embraced and more celebrated and more accepted than that. It's like, okay, if I'm going to be emotional, at least let me be funny. And I feel like maybe there's something mm. to your, if I'm going to be the monkey, at least let me be a performer or something or if or a fun or you know dramatic or funny like at least turn it into value maybe i don't want to speak for you though i guess i don't know um the other thing yeah i definitely was also like very very emotional very sensitive like that was the thing my older sister would always say to piss me off she'd be like you're so sensitive you're so sensitive Mm -hmm. um and i do think that's a pretty fun thing to be able to the things that were like, maybe you thought of as flaws or weaknesses, like to be able to find where they're great and where they're useful, whether it's in your work or in a dynamic, how it can be your superpower. That's like a, a special thing. I was thinking a lot about identities as well this week. Um, I got into this conversation. This is a little different. This, this, this. Go for it. This, this is going to encapsulate the difference between you and me. <laughs> I was, um, <clears throat> I was talking to my cousins. I'm at this like family beach week right now. And we were sitting around talking about everybody's sickness. Like what's Mm. like this, what's like the illness that everybody lives out uh, as opposed to their talent. It's kind of a talent. It's a different kind of talent. Oh yeah. Um, And then usually it's two sides of the same coin. I totally, totally, totally. There's a lot of contradiction there. Somebody was talking about my uncle and there, he was trying to make dinner plans. And there was this whole fight about people wanted him to change the dinner reservation, but he wouldn't change it. And and my aunt just goes, well, he is stubborn slash inflexible. And I was like, God, we should put that on his dating profile. <laughs> and then it just, and then I was just like, why? Well, I want to, I want to make like an on, the honest dating profile for everybody I know. If you, if you had an honest dating profile, like... Stubborn slash inflexible, but good body. Like, what, what <laughs> would it say? Like, what what is the trade-off on everybody's profile? And I was thinking about what I would say for yours. Oh, my God. Do you want to hear mine? Yeah, I want to hear it I, desperately. Okay. I have okay, so many first, ideas. <laughs> I know. Okay. I think it would be like... I'm nervous. <laughs> okay, I think it would be like hair slash eyebrows plus 
constantly torn between being a mommy and being a puppy. <laughs> Is how I would describe like your inner tension and turmoil. <laughs> Wait, say more about that because I like kind of get it, but tell me, tell me more. I feel like you're like very much this parental mother type A mommy figure, but you're also like a small dog. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That's like to a T. And those the- needs. I think your needs. Yeah. I think some of the needs that you've explained on the podcast in your relationship, yes. your, the puppy needs that are contradicted by the mommy behavior. Yes. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. I totally get it. You're spot on. I mean, that's like literally this week, the conversation that my boyfriend and I were having around like how much I crave being taken care of, but I also take care of everyone else and make it impossible to take care of me. That's fun. I think I think that's a fun challenge for a boyfriend. It's super fun for him. He's having a yeah, great time. So <laughs> He's having the time of his life trying to navigate this fucking maze of like oh that's too far oh i was supposed to take out the ice cubes like the main way that he (laughs) not the main way but one of the like very tactical things that he does for me all the time that like makes weirdly makes a huge difference for me is that he when he's over at my apartment goes into my freezer and undoes the ice cube things for me and puts them in a bucket oh that's so sweet because i literally hate popping them out of the tin or whatever but i love ice and i need all of my beverages to have the most ice possible (laughs) and you hate popping them out why does it does it mess up your nails or you just don't like the labor of it i just don't like to have my hands be that cold for that sustain cold and pushing like i have to both be freezing and use my opposable thumbs to push like what are we saying this is an annoying fucking feat did you ever did you ever ask him to do it or did he just observe how upset you were every time you pushed he noticed i think like i would be doing it and he'd be there watching and he was just like i can't fucking watch you do this like it's so sad he's doing it he's doing it for himself he's like i can't witness this one more time yeah but now it's a thing that he regularly does for me and that's only a small That's example love. of First like of all, why I need to be taken care of. But at the same time, yeah. if I was at my friend's house and they needed their ice thing emptied, I'd be the one to go volunteer and do it for them, even if I yeah. hate doing it. And that's like a perfect summation of me. <laughs> because then you get the reward of doing something nice for your friend. But when it's just for you, you're like, I just don't enjoy the physical experience of this. Exactly. Exactly. That's one of the cuter things you've said on here. That's crazy. (laughs) And then I saw on Instagram, I got fed this ad for something on Amazon that like is an ice cube tray that sits over a plastic container and you just like click a button and it juts Mm. out all the cubes into this container and it just solves the problem that I'm describing. And I sent it to him and I was like, should I get this? don't get any ideas. I still need you for other things. And he was like, I don't believe you, but like, yeah, I get this. (laughs) I don't believe that you need me for other things. Yeah, he was like still trying to figure out what those things are. Um, That's amazing. I need him for a lot of things, but yeah, I do make it hard. It's hard. It's hard to give up that independence. Oh my gosh. I, it's like the crux of the challenges that I have being in a long-term relationship. It's like- I. I literally have I literally have a note to myself on my to-do list. It says give an emotional opportunity, which is a note for me in my relationship because I don't even I've just learned like I I rarely even call my friends when I'm really upset about something. Mm. I just learned to do things on my own. But you, like, can't be – you can't feel known and cared for emotionally if you, like, don't give someone the opportunity to do it. So I had, like, a, a really stern talk with myself and was like, listen, next, next time you're sad, you got to say it. And um, <laughs> I don't actually, like – I don't know. I don't feel like I need somebody else to do it. But it's really nice, you know. I think I lobbed out some moments of sadness. 
to Justin and he took care of me really well. And that felt fucking great. Felt yeah. fucking great. But it was like literally a note to myself to like, watch out for the next time you're depressed. Yeah, you have people for that. Yeah. I, I, I do speak to my partner and speak to my friends a lot about the things that are bothering me, but I'm always like, I won't do it until I'm like close to solving it and I just need like the extra push or something. And then it takes away the fun for them in a way. Meanwhile, I'm uh-huh. trying to solve everybody's problems all the time, but I won't allow them to get close, you know? Yeah, I think that's the thing. That's what I that's what I'm craving is the closeness. I'm like, oh, I wish I had like this emotional connection here, but I'm not giving the emotional opportunity, which Mm -hmm. like I'm sure I'm sure everyone who knows me would contradict that because I'm so emotional. But like there's a different depth. There's a hidden chamber of emotion. There's a fucking trap door in the floor of emotion that I haven't opened up. And um, there's business to do down there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Give me give me my honest dating profile. Okay. Well, just based on that one. I feel like there's something with like <laughs> spreads her cheeks to really get that butthole laser on point, <laughs> but won't spread her soul to the same depth. <laughs> I spread my soul. What are you saying? You, you know, like allow the- you someone. Think I don't, you think I don't spread the butt cheeks of my soul. Not to that bottom chamber that you were just describing to us. Honestly, I've stopped spreading them in the laser place, too. I've just accepted <laughs> that it's just going to be the fucking Gaza Strip in my butt crack. And I don't know. I don't know. Beauty standards. She obviously, she doesn't know what to do with it. I Something about her, she seems so stumped by my butt crack that I... Really? I'm, I'm just like, if she's, not, if she's not spreading it for me, who is she spreading it for? Right. Like... I mean, it's not, it's like a pretty average butt crack. Like, it just, yeah, get in there. What are you do? What are you even doing? Put your back May- into it. <laughs> I don't even. I don't know. I don't know what she's thinking. What is she thinking? Yeah, you. Maybe that's an opportunity for. How did you frame it? Emotional opportunity. Emotional, emotional vulnerability with my <laughs> um, emotional. Vul- maybe you really need to open up with her. Yeah, I'm gonna have to. That's my best attempt right now on the spot. But I'm gonna be thinking about this prompt, and I'll come back next week with something. Okay, so you think I don't open up? What? Well, I think you open up to a degree. This is what you've described in relationships is like, it's Mm. not even that you don't want to open it up. It's more just like you're not in the habit of it or something. Yeah. And so like you have to constantly remind yourself to do it. Yeah. And Or the person has to be really adamant about like getting through either way. You know, like, I feel like what I know about you and Justin getting together is, like, him being very consistent and adamant and, like, making the plans and saying how he feels. And you were doing those things, but always with a bit of a guard up. Yeah, I always think everyone's lying to me. I feel like I always, my assumption is that everything is a massive deception. I was at the zoo. We went to the zoo the other day. And there was this plaque up about the bison, the the water buffalo and the bison exhibit, which they're technically different, but they were grouped together. And it was like, our female bison is named Lucy and our male bison is named Christopher. And Lucy is really <laughs> shy, but Christopher loves to play with the zookeeper. And then the next sentence was like, if you observe their personalities to be different than this, it's probably because bison's personality changed throughout their life. And as soon as I read that, I was like, these fucking personalities are made up. These per- They don't even know who these bison are. Like, they've just, like, conjured up, like, characters for these bison <laughs> to help with their zoo marketing. Like, and then they're going to slip. They're going to, like, you know, put in something to make it personalized so we feel attached to the bison. And then the next sentence is like, okay, but if you notice them being different, that's, you know, that's cool, too. That isn't, that doesn't. You haven't caught us in a lie. It's just sometimes they change. I'm just like immediately distrustful of this zoo plaque. Like, I just feel like everyone's, <laughs> everything's a big manipulation. Why? To get me to go to the zoo more usually or something. Especially when it comes to identity maybe or like, like you don't really know these bison. Like your, yeah. your, your focus of what the manipulation is around often has to do with like, you couldn't possibly really know what's going on deep down with this bison or with me, Caroline, you know? Well, I, I'm always just thinking, what are you trying to get me to do? What are you trying mm. to get me to do with this bison story? 
are you trying to get me to do? What's your angle? Donate. <laughs> Donate to the yeah. bison. Yeah. Very distrustful at the zoo. Only, mostly at the zoo. Only at the zoo. What was that, um documentary you told us about a couple weeks ago the zoo documentary is was it literally called zoo it's called zoo i can't stop thinking zoo. about it every time so, anyone mentions the zoo which has been weirdly often in my life the past couple weeks yeah it was um <laughs> i don't know how i ended up watching that but it was pretty depressing i didn't like it i didn't like it and people keep sending me memes of like cats kissing each other and stuff and i can decidedly say i don't like them it's very upsetting to me very upsetting you, to me. you want them all to yourself. Stop it. Stop. <laughs> this is not a silly joke. I have a thing. I don't like with it. My best friend Kai, where, okay, so I'm going to try to explain this. I have a thing okay. where basically I gaslight her into thinking that she has a foot fetish. Okay. Because anytime that feet, shoes, socks, anything like that comes up in conversation, I'm like, Look at you talking about feet again. You're just so obsessed with feet. <laughs> and it's this running joke we have with our other friend, Corey. And I feel like that's just what I'm going to start doing with you and the cats. Ugh, always talking about cats. She's just so <laughs> fucking obsessed with the cats. They can't kiss each other because they can only <laughs> kiss her. <laughs> I got some feedback after that episode where people were like, you talked about a lot of different animals in that episode sexually. You did. And I was like, Oh, I didn't even think about that. To me, it was not incriminating at all because I was just like, okay, I had one sex dream about a cat. I had a different cat cartoon crush. And unrelated to those things, yes, I know a lot about different animal penises, but that is not <laughs> a fantasy. It's not a fantasy. It's not a crush. Information. It's science. Sorry, I'm a scientist. Sorry, I know about right. science. Yeah. Sorry, it is I know. something Sorry, I'm a biologist. Yeah. 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 So I, in my head, I said it like an innocent scientist, a researcher. That's how I was taking it. Thank I mean, you. speaking of science, science, science. <laughs> I have to make a quick mention, and then we can go on to something else. But okay. a friend of mine who listens to the podcast. His name's Andrew. He's my friend Angela's husband. It really touches me that he listens to the podcast every week because Aww. I don't think he's our typical demographic. Yeah. And he'll, whenever I see him, he's like, Jess, love the podcast. Keep it up. When are you guys going to start talking about the UFOs? Oh, yeah. And I'm always like, LOL, Andrew, you kook. Like, nothing, nothing to see here on UFOs. Until this week, Apparently, the government yeah. has been hiding evidence of UFOs from the public for, like, decades. I haven't done much research at all. My cousins were talking about it this week. And I don't feel strongly in any direction because, A, if the universe is infinite and it's been around for forever, it seems highly unlikely that there's not life somewhere. How am I supposed to fucking know? They could be hiding. They could be hiding anywhere. I haven't... I haven't looked in most of the hiding places. <laughs> I and, haven't checked you know, behind every bush. Right. I haven't checked. It could be any of these holes. Um, so I don't really know. I also don't really care. I just feel like maybe I don't care. But um, also maybe not. Um, but then my one cousin was like, with a little, cons little extra conspiracy theory, he was like, usually if something this with this energy is in a congressional hearing it's because they want to distract from something else that's going on uh, he's like he's like some politicians wow. like had sex with a child like that's why this is happening but um which i feel like was also a pretty good point because amazing really my, point because my my main question was how does something like this get brought to a congressional hearing it was a trial right like who is pushing that to a trial, like I don't, I don't really understand how the process works. I'm sure yeah. it's, I'm certain it's easily Googleable. I won't be doing it. I just want someone to tell me how it ends up there. Like, what are, is someone? Is there a question to be defended or proven, or they're just like, we feel like talking about it. We want to give like a class presentation, <laughs> or like, so, how does it end up there? So apparently, there was a whistleblower, but just sure. because there was a whistleblower doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to have a congressional hearing about it. So I do think the fact that they took up this whistleblower on his call out, his or her call out, 
yeah. is suspicious. Because the other thing is like the premise that we're now operating under is like, oh my God, the government has had evidence of this and they haven't told us. Since when is the government telling us everything about every piece of evidence that they've ever collected on anything? Like, why are we shocked that yeah. there's stuff that they know that we don't know? I feel right. like that's Can we cover this always in the 60s? how it goes. I just right. Googled... So it is a bit. I think your cousin's <laughs> onto something. What you Google? I think he is. Um, I just googled UFO congressional hearing. Why? And I actually didn't bring up really anything very helpful. I don't want, I actually don't want to know the key takeaways from it. I just want to know why mm-hmm. it's happening. Why? Yeah, I don't, I don't think I care either because it's similar to, to our take on history, which is like, tell me what's in it for me. <laughs> tell me how me? my life is changing. <laughs> what's in it for me? Oh my God. Am I an alien? Or is I there actually. Figure, yeah, this is the kind of how I feel about most news. Like if it's important enough, someone will let me know. I'll hear about Agreed. it. Yeah, so someone's gonna let me know. Like I, I heard that this was happening. That's kind of all I need to know. Right. So many people are mad at me for saying that. So many people are upset. So many people. It's how I feel. (laughs) It's how I feel. And you didn't come here for news, okay? We gave you a little bite of the UFO news because (laughs) it's specifically for my friend, and we're probably done talking about it now. (laughs) And my, and as far as we, when we say we gave you some of the news, we said. We confirmed that we heard something was happening in the mm-hmm. world, and we asked a bunch of questions that people have answers to, and we don't. Lizzo did post about it, and so oh. that's also how I knew about it, was mostly yeah. from Lizzo. Okay. So, you know, do it that way. Well. I did think it was annoying. The only thing I read from some of the congressional uh, trial updates was that what do they, they don't call it a UFO. They call it a UAB or something. Oh, what's they that call you. Uh, I think it's you. Un-American bros. Un. Yeah. <laughs> How yeah, dare they? Be unidentified anomalous phenomena. I just want to be like, why are you trying to be so special? You know, we had an acronym. You know, we had an acronym. And I don't know if the attitude is to be like, well, we need to be like more clinical, more professional than just UFO. They said UFO in like you know, men in black. Like, we can't say UFO. It's like, we know what you're saying. We know you're just saying UFO. You're not cool. You think you're cool? You're not cool. Yeah, I wonder if it's because UFO is so closely linked with alien life, even though what it stands for is un... Or what is it? It's like something flying objects. Unidentified flying objects. Maybe flying is too presumptuous. Like, maybe it's not flying. Maybe it's a... Floating, levitating. illusion. Yeah, maybe it's levitating. I was just saying optical (laughs) illusion. And you're like, no, the spaceship could be... um, We don't know what the technology it is. (laughs) (laughs) They could easily have technology that we haven't discovered Uh, yet. It's not just like a plane flying. Please have an imagination. (laughs) Um, First of all, the tattoo I have on my hand... Of these little rain clouds with a sunbeam shining down. They really, much more than they look like rain clouds with a sunbeam, they look like flying saucers with like a laser beam coming down. They do look like that. I've noticed it before. People always think I just have UFOs tattooed on my hand, which I'm not opposed to in any way. I'm into it. Makes total sense. You're a scientist and you're just keeping on top of the situation every time i see an uni- an unidentified anomalous phenomenon i get it tattooed on my hand so i can look at it later that's the mo- that's the most efficient system i've come up with it's a tally quickly quickly i need to find a stick and poke artist to tattoo this on my hand so i can never forget it thanks for doing that for the rest of us man it's so good it's so good to be able to update people on the news doesn't it feel rewarding it's like oh thank god we got that out there yeah yeah okay what other news do we need people to know what's on your mind i got in um i'm on this family vacation and i one of my goals at least set my goals my intentions things just like oh make sure to have quality time with this person make sure to like be nicer to this person make sure to shut your mouth about this thing and one of my things is definitely like don't get in a fight with my mom don't get in a fight with my sister's so first thing I did was I got in a fight with my mom and um, it was it was a tiff. It was a bit of a public tiff. It was witnessed by many and it wasn't good. And um, throughout it wasn't the worst, but it wasn't great. I'd say it was like a me. I think it was like a B plus fight. Okay. And um, throughout the next like 24 hours, all of my 
aunts and uncles and cousins were being like, did you reconcile with your mom? Did you make up with your mom? Are you guys on good terms again? Because my mom, like, left very visibly. She, like, left and was pouting from, like, dinner that evening. So everybody knew. Mm. And, and so I was like, oh, yeah, we made up. We made up within, like, 24 hours. And this was the reconciliation ritual, which I feel like with I'm actually very good at apologizing, I would say. I'm pretty good at apologizing. It I, I hate it. It still feels uncomfortable, but I'll do it. And I'm uh, having tough conversations, whatever. I'm good at all that, but there are certain personalities, I feel like, in each of our lives where, like, you can't do, you can't do the normal ritual. Like, it's, like, yeah. a very specific ritual. I feel like moms and dads are probably number one. Where you're like, they're missing this emotion or they're missing this part of their brain. So like the normal system doesn't work. Mm -hmm. So I was going to share, I was going to share, do you want to hear the system of the um, reconciliation ritual with my mom? Yeah, I really need it because I have a similar struggle. (laughs) Love my mom, can't figure her out for the life of me. (laughs) I would say this process was pretty seamless. Um, So step one, she's got to pout. First step one, she's pouting all night long. Okay. Step number two, we wake up in the morning. We're like in the same condo. We wake up in the morning. She's shunning me. She has to shun me. And I'm also not going to address her. You try not to make like direct eye contact, but it is important for me to be like around. loosely in her vicinity. I have to be around to kind of show that I'm not in fight mode. I'm not in fight mode. I'm not in angry mode. I have to like demonstrate. It's not quite an olive branch, but just like an aura of calm, an aura of safety. But you can't look, you can't look it right in the eye. So like. Does the aura include kind of just like being nice and normal with other people around yes, her? Yes. Okay. I wouldn't I wouldn't directly address. I wouldn't directly address because that would be too much too soon. Yep. She's still on edge. I can't if I were to be like, good morning, she'd be like, fuck you. So I can't, okay, okay. can't, can't do that. Um then you wait for an opportunity. And and by opportunity, I mean, like, a problem that has to be solved, something technical, mm-hmm. hopefully something logistical, physical would be good. So the opportunity that came up the other morning was, like, a drawer was broken in the kitchen and a dish got jammed in the drawer so you couldn't open the drawer. And I was like, I'm coming. I see you, opportunity. I'm coming. That's, that's all me. I was like, I think I can get, I got like a little wrist. I was like, I think I can get my hands in there and fix this drawer. And I've like, I've never felt so much pressure. I had to fix the drawer. I just knew that fixing the drawer that my mom wanted fixed, that nobody could fix like this, the reconciliation depends on this. Mm -hmm. I can imagine like everyone in the family hearing that the drawer was broken, knowing this is Caroline's duty as per the fight yesterday. And then, like, watching and sweating and, like, counting down, like, the pressures on everyone's, like, she has to do this or else the vacation's ruined. (laughs) Totally, totally, including my mom. She's like, okay, let's see what you can do. Right. (laughs) She's, like, very much surveilling me, like, standing above me. I'm down on my knees, like, trying to fix this drawer. She's like, hmm, hmm. Just, like, noting the different things you're doing. So you think you're going to fix this? Interesting. Um, I did fix the drawer. Big breakthrough, but leaps Huge. and bounds. Okay, but then you have to act chill. You have to take the distance again. Step away. Take the distance. Act chill. Act like it wasn't. Act like it wasn't an apology. It was just something we did together. It's it just, just chill. We're just chill. <laughs> just chill. We're just chill. two a people it, being chill. <laughs> a lot of it is I'm realizing is like kind of playing hard to get with your mom. <laughs> Then a few, a few hours later, we've taken distance. We've pr- pretended like we didn't know that the other one was there. Taking distance. A few hours later, I receive a text from her, but it's not a direct text. Mm-hmm. It's a text on a text chain that we've never had before. That's just like her, <laughs> her texting me and all the sisters. And she's put a name on it. She's labeled it girls. I've never seen this text chain before. And it's saying like, I'm down on the beach. I'm down on the beach by or no i think it said like the cousins are down on the beach by the volleyball net not saying that she's there i'm surmising that she's there and she's not inviting us and she's actually not specifically <laughs> talking to me but i know i know it's an opportunity she's lobbing something up it's relatable so i'm like i'm like julie i gotta go down to the beach i assume mom is there it's not totally clear but i think she wants me to go but julie has to come with me i can't go alone it's too vulnerable yeah I'm like, Joy, get the fuck dressed. We have to go down. Like, the ritual <laughs> on yourself, Dan. Do what you fucking yourself. need to do. Yeah. <laughs> you have to come with me. And um, so we get down there. 
yeah, not an invitation, not a direct text, but it's still an invitation. Get down there. There she is. She's definitely avoiding eye contact, not a smile to be seen. We, we get a planet ice together, which is this kind of like slushy ice, ice cream thing you can get. That's important. Um, because she pays for it. I accept it. Do I want Mm. a planet ice? No, but I have no choice but to accept it. That's a very important stage. Just the two of you or Julia comes for that? Julia's there. Julia's drifting. Julia's drifting in our wake, kind of in the wake of our our stinky vibe. (laughs) And there's not really conversation happening. It's just like, like ambient, like everyone's like ambiently, like commenting observations on things. But I'm really talking to each other. Like reading the signs as you walk by things. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Eating our planet ice that I'm like not in the mood for but have to eat if i don't fucking fix this drawer and swallow all of this planet ice there's no reconciliation <laughs> we walk a little more we walk a little farther in moody silence together and eventually you know like we have to find like common things to complain about we we find the rest of the family in their spot um act chill disperse disperse for a bit act chill and then at some point i can't remember who suggested we go in the water i think i do like an open invitation to like maybe we'll go in the water oh mom elizabeth aunt mary like oh mom i don't know did i say mom i didn't even mean to say that uh, yeah you want to go and then we all <laughs> go in the water i compliment her a little bit and that loosens her up we're pretty close to the end now and then we find somebody to talk shit about together a third yeah. party somebody's not there somebody you know distant relation distant friend someone that we can both safely talk shit about and then we're back that's how that's exactly how it happened Wow. Bravo. Thank well you. done. Congratulations. <laughs> Mazel tov. Thank you. That's amazing. It's a perfect system. It's a perfect system. I was on that ride with you. Like my heart <laughs> was beating at certain moments in that story so fast in my throat. I could not relate more because my family operates in very similar ways. Yeah. I feel like it's, it's similar to how my sister thing. and I it's do it. It's a family it. thing. It's like we're yeah. all crazy with our family. I'm my worst self. I'm like my most indirect self. Totally. I don't know. It's so crazy. But there also is something about the the element of it that was like in front of people, like you're on vacation with your family and not just your immediate family, but extended family too. So everyone's kind of aware yeah. of this tension oh, yeah. and like waiting for it to break. And they don't exactly know the ritual. Yeah. But you know the ritual and you know that it's going to take a bit of time. Yeah. My uncle was like like prodding me the evening before. He was like, go apologize, go apologize. I was like, no, it's not the time. It can't be now. It can't be now. You have no fucking idea. And so now do you feel free? Like, is everything good? Are there more people to talk shit about? What's next? Yeah, I feel good about it, but I have to preserve this. I'm leaving in a day and... So I just need to get through the next day without blowing something up, which is honestly yeah. hard. I don't know if you feel this way, but I can be such a loose cannon. I just always have this feeling like I don't even know what I'm going to say sometimes. I don't even know what I'm going to do. Mm. I don't even know when I show up places. I don't know what I'm going to do. It's not there's not a lot of thought. There's not a lot of control, unfortunately. I think that is definitely how I feel most of the time in my life and in a good way, almost in a way where it's like I'm showing up and I'm going to be myself. And if that includes, you know, exploding and saying something crazy, so be it. And I feel generally like comfortable to do that in most settings, except with my family. When I'm going to be with my family, I try to turn off that part of myself, which is pretty much my whole self. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. And so, yeah, 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 thank you. No, I love it. I just try not to be myself. Hardly. Yeah, hardly. I really just like dim a lot of I don't want to say the wrong thing. And so I end up saying very little. So I'm not like worried when I go into family situations that I'm going to blow up because I've gotten very used to like, okay, this is the time when I am quiet and I'm wrong. I assume that I'm wrong about everything. I assume that we're going to do it everyone else's way. Like I just totally... Mm become submissive which i don't love and i have been working on because they also know that that's not me and they notice it and like i'm not showing up as myself and whatever we all don't want it to be that way but it's so much easier said than done and so yeah my solution is just like i show up as a shell of me and i try to please everyone and keep the peace and if i'm if there's it doesn't mean there's not conflict but usually the conflict isn't something that I said. It's more like 
me reacting to something someone else said and my emotional self coming out and being upset or hurt or offended or whatever. It's a little, it's like similar but different from what you're saying. Yeah, you have your system. I I should shut up more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard for me. I don't know if you should, though. I don't know. I don't know what the right way is, because, like, I don't like that I'm just quiet. Like, it doesn't feel authentic. Yeah, I know, but there's this thing with family where sometimes, like, the truth, the things that are driving you crazy, it's like it doesn't, sometimes it doesn't go anywhere to share it. Sometimes mm-hmm. it just hurts people and, like, nobody can learn from it and yeah. it's just a fight. I think that's the thing you learn with family. It's, like, you're so rooted in your dynamics and your patterns, myself included, like we all are. It's, um, I don't know. I don't know. It's tough. It's tough. Yeah, that's true. It's one of those things of, like, we've been through this a bunch of times. Like, we all know to some degree, you kind of know the cycles you get into and the ways that you react and the things that everybody should work on. But like for whatever reason, when they show up in the family, if they've been working on it or not, it's you don't happen. see the fruits of that labor. Yeah, yeah. it's just going to happen. And so it's just kind of I, I understand what you're saying of yeah. like, is it even worth it to bring it up and work on it when it's with family? I don't know. Yeah, it's more like keeping the peace feels more worth it totally. at some point. And that's, I think, why I've yeah. result, it's resulted in how I show up. Totally. I, I do think so. Um, I think you can do go the idealistic route. Like, what if we could just communicate it through everything, especially when you're dealing with, I don't know, a lot of people, a lot of people in a different older generation, like, no, it's not really reasonable to think that they're going to change. No, it's fucking hard enough for me to change myself. Like, it's not realistic for me to think anyone else is going to change. Um... I remember my therapist even being like, yeah, sometimes you just don't get a show up there. And we focus on like naming, wow, it's really disappointing that I don't get a show up here as myself. And like, that's the truth. You just like, it's really disappointing. Being here is really disappointing, um, which is not all the time. I think that's the thing I experience a lot with families that like, it's exactly what you expect, exactly what you expect, exactly what you expect. And then, boom, something out of, like, left field. And you're like, what? Oh, that was weird. And then and you're like, oh, I guess things can be different. Things can be weird. And then it's, like, exactly what you expect, exactly what you expect. <laughs> yeah. And then, like, some weird wrench. Anyway, uh, f- family is weird. That's the end of that conversation. <laughs> I'm s- this is my transition. This is my transition into the next conversation. I'm tired of talking about You're that. trying to satisfy my segue. Your needs for need, segue. But you don't have to. Yeah, I don't need it. I don't, don't have to. I don't Not- need it at all. You don't have to appease me. Okay. You don't have to act like family here. We are brother kings, but we can be honest with each other. You don't need to segue the way that I do. Okay. It's fine. Thank you. It's fine. Thank you for letting me show up as me. I have a observation that I had the other day. No. Okay. <laughs> no, tell me. <laughs> um, okay, so you know how we often talk about, like, you specifically have been trying to make more intentional eye contact with people as you move through the world, like cashiers and people that you interact with. Strangers. Just who are random strangers. Yeah. yeah. So that's a great thing. Nothing that I'm about to say is to make a point that that's not a good thing to do. It's on, It's probably not a good thing to do. I haven't thought through it that much. I, I already agree with whatever you're going to say. Well, I just have noticed there have been multiple situations this week that I've walked by as a bystander, and I've been like, oh, that patron of this establishment is trying to be really friendly to the person working here, and it's fucking annoying yeah. the hell out of me as a bystander, annoying the person that works here. Yeah. Nobody wants it. Nobody needs it. Read the room. Yeah. Like you're doing too much. Ooh. I literally walked by a woman at the post office mailing a package. And the only part of the conversation that I caught as I walked by was this woman saying to the person working there, yeah, in grammar school, I always got in trouble for whatever. I don't know how that sentence some, finished. Some inane comment. Yeah, some inane thing yeah, about herself. I was herself. like, this, this woman working at the post office just wants to get her job done. There's a line behind you of people waiting to ship their packages. And you're talking about your fucking life as though 
they care at all yeah. and they have time for this at all. Read the room. And I just realized like there's such a fine line to mm-hmm. that friendliness being super positive and connective and like respectful. And then it very quickly becomes disrespectful yeah. if you can't read the room. Super and needy. Becomes like super needy. Super needy. It's actually and super self-serving again. Yes. It's always self-serving. It's actually it actually is a pet peeve of mine. I was thinking about recently. I don't know who I was talking to about this, but like the person who needs to always get the waiter or waitress or bartender or cashier or whoever to like think that they're cute. Not even like in a sexually like romantic, I think they're cute kind of way, but just like as a person, like, they always need to be cute to that person. It's fucking annoying. It's fucking annoying. It's so attention-seeking. It's like, and I do it sometimes. All I, I do, do think is attention-seeking. All I do is attention-seeking, yeah. please. But I, I think I'm able to read the room when it's, like, not the time to really, you know, spend energy on that or spend someone else's energy on that. Yeah. You're so you're so true. You're so true and you're so I'm real. I'm so true. Fucking tr- I'm so trill. You're true as hell and you're trill as can be. Thank you. Yeah, I validate this complaint. Yeah. It, I guess it is a complaint. We've stopped using the words petty complaint because I think, one, we just forget to use our segments. And two, they're often not petty. They're just real. Well, like, I'm just complaining. And that's what conversations yeah. are often made up of. Yeah. And I hope not to complain for an entirety of an episode, but no. sometimes I'm going to bring you a complaint. Why would that be your goal? What's wrong with you? No. <laughs> no, no, no. So you just want to sit in silence? That's bad. That's a bad podcast. That's bad decorum. That's bad. One time, oh my God, dude. One time I went to therapy <laughs> and I'd reached like a plateau with my therapist for whatever reason, I've seen her on and off for like maybe six or seven years. And there's been various times where I stopped seeing her um you just like yeah you maybe you don't have a ton you're working on right now you need to like go out and gather some new life problems or i don't know i'm not seeing her right now my sisters have kindly informed me that i should definitely be in therapy <laughs> but i was like well, I just, the way that you i just the way that her. you did for me recently because uh, i haven't really been seeing mine very much either i'm like oh i have this podcast now i bring my complaints to caroline literally <laughs> honestly i feel like it's why sometimes i don't have that much to say to my friends either i'm like i already processed it on the podcast i talked to my camera about it for a youtube video i talked to just about it for the podcast like i think i figured everything out i think i'm doing it's it done. right but this was a couple years ago and i was it was in person in new york or i was seeing my therapist and i went <laughs> and i didn't have much to talk about and i was like yeah i don't know like she's always like where do you find yourself today like do you want to do a meditation to center which i never want to do run out the clock no i'm fucking paying for those minutes i literally never want to do a meditation nancy and she's like do you need to center <laughs> a little bit to have something top of your top of mind and i was like yeah i just i don't know i don't really have anything today and she's like that's fine we can sit in silence for an hour and i was like bitch no we cannot no, we fucking cannot. Not if I'm going to pay you. No, we cannot sit in silence for an hour. But thank you for the suggestion. <laughs> I think we will be That's taking a, crazy a break. thing for her to suggest. It was so <laughs> crazy. I was like, we're fucking 200 bucks an hour. No, we cannot. Thank you. I guess some people, there's probably rich people out there who literally will pay for an hour of just sitting in silence with. Yeah, some, there's people who will, yeah, who will pay for an hour of you just like describing your toes to them like people will pay true. for lots of things people pay for i've thought of, of taking advantage of that i know so many times i don't know why my feet my feet have made like have become such a big part of my content <laughs> and i don't i haven't tried to, i haven't tried to make them but I, there's like a lot of barefoot content of me on the internet um just subtly just like hints of it I think I've noticed and people are always commenting one time on it. posted. Yeah. One time you posted a story about like new shoes that you bought and there were sandals. And so you took a picture of your foot in the sandal, like in the flowers, and like it, in a field of flowers and it, stuff. Yeah. Yes. And it was cute. And it was kind of you to share the link to the shoes and all of that. But I was also like, you can't give this out for free, That's baby what girl. I get th- like, yeah. draw something over the toes. People are draw always... a little black line. I mean, I don't know. I'm not going to... It's not like you can, like, get all... Like, see all the toes, you know, raw on my Patreon. Like, there's not somewhere else you can go to, <laughs> not to get the feet raw. So I might as well just give it out. I don't know. It feels right. I've always liked the barefoot... I think I started intentionally, like, 
being like barefoot in a lot of my videos because it feels like we're at home. It feels cozy. It feels intimate. Not like sexually intimate, but just like I'm not wearing shoes. I'm not wearing socks. I'm just like got toes out. Right. Um. Right. It felt like the right vibe a lot of the time, but I don't know if people are there to like think about my toes. Cool. I don't care. I've never understood that. Like if someone's jerking off to my toes, I well I won't even ever know about it. Like how do I? I who cares? I don't even know about it. Even when I I guess the point is like you won't ever know about it but you could be making money yeah but when people now, if say that but people never would say that, to do that all the people who've commented that to me they're saying it in jest i assume you don't actually assume yeah. i'm gonna make a f an only fans for my feet because i'm not so i think when people say like i don't know i feel like most youtubers they actually won't show their feet but they're also not making an only fans so it's like right. it's just like an inconvenience now where i can't show my raw dog feet I, that doesn't help me yeah, yeah, I totally hear what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, true, it is said in jest. However, I often see these reels pop up. You know, these people who like walk around New York and stop random people on the street and they're like, oh, how much do you pay for your apartment? Can we see it? Or yeah. like, how much do you make in a month? Yeah. And it's just like supposed to whatever. What is the point? Financial yeah. freedom. We all can know how much we make okay. or something or just be jealous of people. What is it so freedom? Girl, are we free? Are we free? <laughs> okay <laughs> and this girl just popped up on my page who they stopped on the street and they were like what do you do and how much you make and she was like i make what was it something crazy like thirty thousand dollars a month from foot pics on the internet yeah. and when i see things like that i'm like financial freedom yeah <laughs> i'm like i could have it i could have it yeah um, i'm not opposed to it i think i'm just too lazy i guess it does seem like a lot of effort, like, because some people get really creative with it or they'll do, like, personal requests where it's oh. like, oh, this man commissioned a picture of my feet in macaroni and cheese. Oh, and no. He'll give me, like, 50K no. for it. Oh, my God. Yeah, Craft sometimes it's like or that. like an Annie's, like organic Only Annie's. Oh, so Annie's, it's like yeah. a light, a light cheese, like a Havarti or something. Yeah. Oh. Um, going back to the therapy, I, I don't want to talk about it now because it's like more insightful than i want to do yeah, at I don't an hour hear. 20 minutes I don't, in I don't hear it. but i would like to talk about in a upcoming episode i had that written down as a upcoming topic um like those times when you're feeling disenchanted from therapy or those times when you show up and you don't know what to say and how to like one make the most of it but then also two like just accept that it's okay to feel like that sometimes and take a break from it i don't know i don't want to go into it right now but i do want to oh. like throw out there that if that's interesting to you and if that's interesting to people um i have thoughts nice. i feel like i have been such a proponent of therapy that a lot of times my friends will text me and be like what do you do when you like don't have anything to talk to your therapist about first of all, and i actually do have some good advice for it i would be super interested in hearing that but first i would think like your therapist is like that is definitely part of their responsibility to care carry the like mm -hmm. to carry the majority of that load of like knowing what to ask and knowing where to dig and seeming and seemingly innocuous places um, but yeah, I would, I actually would love to hear that advice. I, I don't know what I would immediately say to that. I'm down. Yeah. We'll do it. Okay. Well, this has been not for everyone. We're a podcast and you're here and that's on you. Um, you can, um, write us on Instagram, not for everyone pod with a number four. Jess is JC Debakey on Instagram. I'm Caroline Winkler on YouTube and bitch. We love you. We'll talk to you next week. Mwah. Fucking kisses. Get this fucking bug out of here, first of all.